great God, don't we? And he is more than worthy of our praise this morning. Would you stand with me, please, and turn to page number 51. Page number 51, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. Let's sing out all verses as we begin this morning. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King. The triumph of His grace Jesus, the name that charms our fears That bids our sorrows cease Tis music in the sinner's ears Tis life and health and peace He breaks the power of canceled sin He set the prisoner free His blood availed for me. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise, ye dumb. Your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come. And ye proclaim for joy. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim. Amen. He is worthy of our praise, and we need to be singing to him this morning because he is our audience this morning. Everything that we do, we want to bring honor and glory to him today in every way. I'm going to ask Brother Wisdom, would you open us in prayer this morning, please? Amen. You may be seated this morning. As has already been mentioned, and most of you probably already know, but Pastor Stewart is in Cassville, Missouri today, preaching their 70th anniversary there for them uh, tonight. And so he is there. Uh, we'll be gone uh, for that conference through uh, this Wednesday. All right. So again, you're stuck with me on Wednesday night. I'm sorry about that, but that's just the way it is. So hopefully you'll show up. All right. Um, but that's Wednesday night. Uh, I'll be preaching Wednesday night. So I'd appreciate your prayers, but be in prayer for Pastor as he is as he is going to be preaching uh, tonight and then again, I believe, in, on Tuesday morning uh, this, this week and for safe travels for them. Uh, I wanted to let you know, of course, uh, next Tuesday the 12th will be the ladies' meeting. All right, so ladies, be aware of that, 7 p.m., Tuesday night the 12th. And then next Saturday will be churchwide outreach. We'd love for every one of you to be able to show up for that as we go out and spread the gospel on Saturday the 16th at 10.30 a.m. in the morning. So make sure that you're here uh, in the morning on Saturday the 16th for that. Um, I did want to make this announcement. It has not been announced yet, but on, on Friday night the 15th, all right, we're going to have here uh, at the school what we call Family Fun Night, okay? So it's from 6 to 9 p.m. So any, anyone that wants to come out, that's totally fine. Uh, the, the seniors are going to kind of be uh, honored that night and uh, kind of be a going away or kickoff to send them out type of thing, kind of a senior night deal. But then we're also going to have a lot of games uh, between the students and the parents 
And the adults that are here, uh, some softball, kickball, basketball, volleyball, dodgeball, whatever we can come up with, that's what we're going to play, all right? So it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'd encourage you to come out that night and uh, be a part of that. that. Again, that's Friday night, the 15th of this month uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. There's a linger longer, longer, linger longer. I don't know if you longer ling. Anyway, I don't know. But uh, the linger longer is uh, going to be on Sunday night, the 17th, all right, after the PM service. So come and be a part of that as well. Be a part of all services and then stay afterward for some good fellowship and food there. So I guess um, everyone's supposed to bring some finger foods uh, that night. Um, I guess we're eating fingers. I don't know. But anyway, uh, oh, come on. We got to lighten up a little this morning, all right? Um, but uh, we'll have a good night uh, fellowship there after the service on the 17th. And then the youth rally, of course, is coming on the 22nd. That's going to be a really big night. Brother Sam Davidson's going to be here preaching. I cannot tell you. I know pastor said it. I've said it. If you've never heard Brother Sam Davidson preach, you're missing out. And um, I know pastor was, he and I were just talking on Friday, and he said this to me. He said, there's a fellowship meeting, this, not this week, but the next week for a couple of days. I think Monday and Tuesday, it's in Wichita. And Brother Swope down there has Brother Sam preaching at that fellowship meeting. I think it's, I think it's his next week. Anyway, he said, I'm going to have to go to that because, and he's not going to miss any church services, but he's going to make another trip. He said, because the times we get to see Brother Sam preach are probably getting fewer as the years go on. And uh, so, uh, you know, anytime you can get to hear him preach, I'd be there. And so I know it's a youth rally, but if, even if it's packed in here and you have to sit in the foyer, you need to be here to hear him preach, all right, uh, on, on, that, on that Friday night. So be here for that. Uh, there's sign-up sheets on the left in the outer foyer for soda and water and chips, cookies, all that kind of stuff. We're going to have the Lord's Chicken here. Chick-fil-A will be here that Friday night, and uh, we're excited about that. And so that's not sacrilegious. It's just a joke, Okay. Some of you are like, how dare you say, okay, it's, it's anyway, um, but we're looking forward to that night. It's going to be a great time. So be here for that on the 22nd. And then don't forget uh, church members uh, to be here the 26th. All right. Tuesday night for Lord's Supper. Uh, if you're a member of Faith Baptist Church, you need to be here for that on the 26th. At this time, the choir is going to sing for you a song entitled, Seek God.
Around us souls are seeking For things that they're believing Will fill a void that only God can fill He longs for them to know Him So we must seek and show Him would just learn to seek God every day, we'd sure save ourselves a whole lot of trouble. Just learn to seek God. Let's all stand together. Turn to page 348. As the deer panteth for the water, we need to be seeking after God. We need to be longing after God. Page 348. Let's lift it up together on that first verse. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. brother even though you are a king I love you more than any other more much more than As the instruments play, let's get around and shake hands together this morning. It is good to have each one here. Good to have those visiting. We're thankful you chose to be here with us this morning.
page 348 if you lost that page number. We're going to sing that last verse out together. I want you more than gold or silver. Let's sing it together. I want you more than gold or silver. Only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship Thee. Amen. Brother Tim, come right ahead. I was teaching the teens this morning. We learned a little bit about how we don't have standing in and of ourselves to come before God. Our standing is based on what He's done. So as the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Psalm 86, verse 6. It says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer. And attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works unto, un, like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Brother Will Kennedy, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated.
Aren't you thankful that Jesus loves you this morning? That song, I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. I tell you what, I'm glad he loves me this morning. Let's all stand together. Turn to page 336 for our last song. He loved us so much that he sent his son to redeem us. Page 336, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let's sing all three verses together this morning. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. I want to stop for just a second. I love this song. How many of you just love this song? I'm telling you what, it's one of my favorites in the hymn book. Just to not only be singing about the fact that we're redeemed, but his child and forever I am. But I wonder, I just wondered this morning, if we were in heaven right now singing around God's throne, how would you be singing this song? Would you be singing it like you just did? Or would you put a little more into it? Maybe we ought to just continue practicing because one day we're going to be singing before his throne. And maybe we ought to sing like that this morning. All right, let's sing it out. We are redeemed this morning. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're redeemed. You're going to be smiling and singing out to the Lord this morning. Let's sing that last verse out. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. Sing it. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Redeem, redeem, redeem by the blood of the Lamb. Redeem through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. If you know this morning that you're His child forever, say amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Great singing. Just before Brother Ben Quinlan comes to preach, we're going to have a special for Mrs. Quinlan and Mrs. Watson this morning. But I did want to take the moment right now to go ahead and introduce Brother Ben Quinlan. And I tell you, he probably doesn't need much of an introduction for most of you in here because he grew up here. And I think I say this almost every time he's here, but he and I got in more trouble than probably mostly me. But we got in a lot of trouble growing up together. Is he pointing at me? Is he pointing? I knew that was going to anyway, but I'll tell you, you know, Faith Baptist Church is not a, a stranger to men of God preaching in this pulpit, and uh, Brother Ben's a man of God, I'll tell you, he is, and he studies, and he preaches, and I know it'll be a blessing to you, so uh, just give him, you, you know, give God your undivided attention this morning as he brings the Word of God to you here in just a few minutes, but uh, just so thankful to have he and his, and his wife and kids here this morning, and I, was, I used to say little kids, but man, they're, they're getting taller now. I'm, I'm pretty sure Noah could beat me up, so I'm going to have to be nice to him. I used to pick on him. I can't pick on him anymore. It'll hurt me, but uh, so thankful that they're able to be here this morning. But just before he comes to preach, we're going to enjoy a special this morning from these two ladies.
always a pleasure to be here and uh, you know, anytime I'm preaching in this pulpit I could say something about being in Sunday school and my dad is uh, leading the opening exercises there and my brother is conducting the, the time to take up offering and uh, let's see my mom was just singing 
And my pastor's wife was just up here singing with her. And it's a blessing to be at this church and to be reminded of uh, the legacy of my family. Um, Megan and I uh, stayed over in the missions apartment and I saw the plaque for my grandparents uh, that's over there. And it's, uh, I didn't mean to start crying by the way, um, but it's, uh, it reminds me of the legacy that I have. And uh, I, I don't take that for granted and I don't want to uh, sully it in any way either. That there's great responsibility there, and I want to uh, do my best not to make my family proud, but to make my Savior proud. That it's all because of Him. Which then leads me to that. We've had a couple of songs today. This song the ladies just sang, and uh, the Seek God, that uh, this year for Bible Baptist Church, um, uh, the, the theme that God led me to was focus on Jesus Christ. And... Uh, uh, he got me so excited about it that I started, uh, so sorry, let me back up just a little bit. Uh, usually with the year's theme, I'll take the first Sunday of every month and preach on that theme. But I was so excited about this year's theme that I think I started back in October, November, and have just been every week. That's been uh, the, the messages, it's focus on Jesus Christ. So really even this morning's message and tonight's message here, they're part of that series, focus on Jesus Christ. Because as, uh, as surely we all look at the world around us, we need to be reminded to focus on Jesus Christ. There is plenty of distraction, there's plenty of things to get us uh, looking on anything and everything except Jesus Christ. And even as we consider the life that God wants us to live, we need to live that life focused on Jesus Christ. That everything we're doing and, and everything that we put our attention and our, 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 uh, uh, ourselves into needs to be focused on Jesus Christ because uh, he's, He is preeminent. He must be preeminent. Uh, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And just before we get there... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so my hand, just so to try to keep it from being too much of a distraction, I'm wearing this brace because over the last about three years, I've been losing all the cartilage at the base of my thumb. So uh, it, uh, as long as I'm wearing the brace, it doesn't hurt. So I wear the brace because I, I'm allergic to pain and I don't like it. So. Uh, uh, it, that's what it is. It's nothing more than that. And uh, Lord willing, it'll be just this way for a long, long time. So that's out of the way. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do is not related to the message, uh, but I was kind of thinking about this, and I, I really like this story. It's kind of an encouragement to read your Bible and know your Bible and understand what it's saying. So uh, here, uh, a candidate for church, this, this was uh, put out and none of that matters. Uh, a candidate for church membership was asked, what part of the Bible do you like best? He said, I like the New Testament best. Then he was asked, which book in the New Testament is your favorite? He answered the book of parables and began to recite his favorite to the members of the committee. Once upon a time, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, and the thorns grew up and choked the man. And he went on and met the queen of Sheba, and she gave that man a thousand talents of silver and a hundred changes of raiment. And he got in his chariot and drove furiously, and as he was driving along under a big tree, his hair got caught in a limb and left him hanging there. And he hung there many days and many nights. The ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink, 
And one night while he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came along and cut off his hair. (laughs) And he fell on stony ground. And it began to rain and rained 40 days and 40 nights, and he hid himself in a cave. Later he went on and met a man who said, come in and take supper with me. But he said, I cannot come in for I have married a wife. And the man went out into the highways and hedges and compelled him to come in. Then he came to Jerusalem and saw Queen Jezebel sitting high and lifted up in a window of the wall. When she saw him, she laughed, and he said, throw her down from there, and they threw her down. And he said, throw her down again, and they threw her down seventy times seven. (laughs) And the fragments which they picked up filled twelve baskets full. (laughs) Now whose wife will she be in the day of judgment? The membership committee agreed that this man was indeed a knowledgeable candidate. (laughs) Please read your Bible. (laughs) That has nothing to do with this morning's message, uh, but it got everybody in in a right mood. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Uh, The title of this message is Jesus Heals the Hidden Woman. Stand with me if you're able, and we'll read Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. All right, you follow along while I read. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I, may but, if, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, let me, let me stop right here for just a moment and say, uh, there in verse 30 when it says that virtue had gone out of him, uh, this is talking about the power of God had been utilized. And it's not saying that God, Jesus' uh, uh, power battery was up here, and suddenly and it was a not, couple of notches lower. And he noticed that. that. That's not what's going on. But he knew there's been a healing. And surely we know he knew more than that. But uh, this, this brings us to this place of Jesus being able to confront this woman. So as you, as you read that in verse 30 and in the other Gospels that talk about it, when it says virtue went out of him, uh, his power wasn't lessened by any means. He just knew what had happened. All right, so verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And all God's people say, Amen. 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 Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house amongst your people. I do pray for uh, the folks at Bible Baptist Church and for Brother Brees that's preaching there. Give him liberty, and I pray that you touch their hearts. Lord, I pray that your spirit might be here as well, and that as your word goes forth, you would touch the hearts and minds of people to draw them to you, to help them to see the truth. I pray, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross, that it would be your words coming forth, that it would be your message, and I just be the vessel for it. 
Lord, I don't know what people might be facing here in this room today. I don't know what, uh, what maladies, what issues, what temptations, what burdens, but you do. And so I pray that your word would be an encouragement, would be a challenge, and that then people would humble themselves and respond to the call of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that your will be done. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I want you to notice something here first. Uh, I want to get ahead of myself, but I can't do that. So verse 27 and verse 33, there, are, there is a, an, an instrumental, uh, a significant truth that I want you to recognize about this. Uh, let's, let's just look at it real quick. Verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. She came in the press behind. And then verse 33, uh, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. That I want you to recognize that this woman had been hiding from Jesus. And, and I know uh, maybe some of you caught on with the title that I gave for this, Jesus Heals the Hidden Woman. Usually we think of this as the woman with the issue of blood. But I can't help but look at it and think, she was hiding herself. That while the issue of blood is what he healed, praise the Lord for it, it doesn't seem like that's the main thing. So that she's hidden. She's hiding herself. She feels small and insignificant. I think it's a different condition than uh, not, not her issue of blood, but why she's hiding is different than uh, being depressed. Uh, let's look at her situation here real quick. Verse 25 and 26. A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. That, that's where she's at. All of, uh, because of her condition and the attempts at healing it, they have left her beaten down. And I do want to stress this. I don't believe she's depressed. I don't believe that she is uh, of a mindset of hopelessness because if she was hopeless, why would she go to Jesus? If she said, that's it, we've tried everything, there's no hope for this, there's nothing that can be done, I'm just going to go find a, a corner somewhere and die someday, that would be the idea of depression and hopelessness. She may have, have uh, used up all of her ability. She may have tried everything she could do, but she was not hopeless. She went to Jesus. She heard of Him and said, you know what, here's somebody who has raised the dead, who has made the blind see, who has made the lame walk, who has healed the withered hand, who has done all these things. Surely there's a chance that He can help me. And even with that mentality of hopefulness, she still remained hidden. She didn't come directly to Jesus. We've seen it... Uh, Surely through the Gospels in your reading and in preaching you've heard, you've seen where there were plenty of people who cried out to Jesus. Blind men said, Son of David, uh, uh, have mercy on us. There were lots of people that cried out to Jesus. There was lots of people that come right up to Him and, and sought Him and asked His assistance. But she didn't do that. She was hidden. She was behind the scenes. I... I uh, please don't think I'm trying to toot my own horn or anything, but I know me, right? I know me better than probably anybody else. I can appreciate this woman's mentality. Uh, I was, uh, well, just a moment ago here, uh, when, when Eric was up here, uh, 
let's see, I think Tim said, you know, go preach, fling her down, something like that. Uh, man, I can't remember now what happened, but he said, I'm looking forward to it. And I said, well, praise the Lord. And it's my own means of self-deprecation that, uh, uh, you know, that somebody would enjoy listening to me preach. What a, what a novel thought. Uh, so that being hidden comes naturally to me. I've said it more than one time to my own, to the church that I pastor, that I, I enjoy being able to go back in the fellowship hall while everybody's talking and a meal's being prepared and a meal's being eaten. I don't mind standing in a corner and just watching, just observing, just seeing. Uh, if you look at pictures from when I was younger, uh, most pictures I'm in, I'm at the back. I am tall, but that's where I like to be, in the back. I don't mind that. It doesn't bother me a bit to be kind of sidelined uh, in reminiscing about nostalgic days and old times and stuff, talking with Eric and Phyllis and others. Uh, they'll be talking about something and, and saying, you were there. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I don't remember being there. Like, yeah, yeah, you were there. No, I wasn't there. Or they'll, they'll be telling me something that I was there for. It's like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I was there. I just tend to be in the background so that when I'm not there, people just assume you are because you're quiet all the time or they don't realize you weren't there, you know, whatever the case is, so that I can appreciate being hidden, not wanting to make a fuss, not wanting to make a big deal, not putting yourself out there. And you may look at me and think, well, you're plenty loud and you're, you've gone around talking to people today that you didn't necessarily know real well. Yeah, God's done a lot of change over the last 20 years. It is outside my comfort zone to start walking up to people that I'm not sure of. It's not my thing. And you know what I've realized in the last six months or so even? I've still got a long way to go. And I too easily, too readily fall back on that idea of staying hidden. There is no denying, if you've been around my wife and I, Megan's the conversationalist. I rely upon her a lot when we're having conversations with people that she keeps the conversation going. I'll put in bits and pieces here and there, but she's the one that gets everything going, and it's probably better that way because she's more likable, she's more charismatic, all that kind of stuff. It's good. The system works great. God knew what He was doing when uh, He helped me find a good thing. Praise the Lord for it. So again, we're coming back to this idea. This woman is not depressed. She's not hopeless. She's hidden. She is beaten down a little bit because she's tried so much and is no better, but worse. I can imagine this woman feeling, even when coming to Jesus behind him, that maybe she's thought, you know what, I've done all these things and I've cried out to, to physicians and family and friends and I've become a burden. And I don't want to be a burden to Jesus. I, I don't want to put myself in a place that, that puts him out. That I, I'm looking for Jesus, I want his help, I, I, I need him, but I'm not looking to, to be a burden, as I've already been to so many. Uh, can I point out real quick, there are a few other people who felt that way, maybe not their whole lives, but in Scripture, there's a few people who felt that way. You, you don't have to turn to these places, but in Exodus chapter 4, where Moses is called out to God, uh, God calls to Moses from the burning bush, and Moses is 80 years old by that time, by the way. He's been a, a shepherd in the backside of the desert for near 40 years. And he says, who am I? I, I, I can't speak. I can't talk. They're not going to believe me. And God answered every one of those things. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we see Elijah, who generally speaking, Elijah would be considered an extrovert. 
But at that point in his life, after the, the account on Mount Carmel and Jezebel swears to kill him, he runs and he's beaten down. And he comes to God and says, I'm the only, I'm, I've been jealous for you and I'm the only one that serves you. He was still trusting in God. He was still looking to God. But he felt very small and very insignificant. In 1 Samuel chapter 18... David has already killed Goliath and he is serving in King Saul's court and it is made known to David that, that Saul is willing to give uh, his daughter, Meribah at the time, uh, is willing to give his daughter to David. And David says, who am I? I I'm, just this, this, I'm just a poor kid. I'm nobody. Why, why would I be let into the royal court? Why would I be brought into Saul's family? He thought very little of himself. It'd be a, a few chapters later again that he would tell Saul, you're chasing after a flea. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Paul, I want you to look at this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't, don't lose Mark 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <coughs> Excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9. That Paul also felt this way for all of his boldness for all of his uh, power with the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9, we see him telling this Corinthian church, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. You think Paul didn't feel small and insignificant sometimes? You think he didn't realize very keenly what he had done to God and His people? And I'm sure there were times he felt very small and insignificant. Did he let it stop him from serving God? No, absolutely not. But he still felt that way. He felt that way. I want you to consider for just a moment, again, this is not necessarily the main purpose, but I think it helps tell the story here. As we're looking at this woman and this issue of blood that she has and how there's nothing she could do about it, I want you to consider the likeness of her physical affliction to your spiritual affliction. You've dealt with sin for years, haven't you? Praise the Lord for salvation. Praise the Lord for it. But I'm looking at it kind of from a point of outside of God. We're looking at things under the sun, if you will. You've dealt with sin for years. And in our own ability, in our own power, surely every one of us has recognized the fact that for all that we can try to do, for all that we have suffered at the hands of sin, for all that we, the effort we have put forth to overcome it, we're no better off. We're worse. If we're doing it ourselves, if we're relying upon our own power, can I tell you, as a child of God, you are saved. There is therefore now no condemnation. Does that mean sin goes away and you don't have to deal with it anymore? Of course not. We know better than that. We still have to deal with sin. And we are still in the same place of saying, you know what, as a saved child of God, if I'm going to endeavor to overcome sin by my own means, by my own striving, by my own efforts, it's a losing battle. We're not going to overcome it on our own. It doesn't matter what it is. Praise the Lord, you're a child of God. You still need a shepherd. Amen. Amen. We need Him to help. We need Him to strengthen. We need to look to Him. We need to focus on Jesus Christ because He's the only one that's going to enable us to overcome that. Even as a believer... You know of Jesus, but when we're faced with sin, we can, we can find ourselves in this place of feeling small and insignificant. 
because we've struggled. Every one of us has some kind of besetting sin. And even if you say, you know what, I've dealt with this besetting sin, and then I found out there was another one. <laughs> Didn't even know it was there. So now I'm, I'm dealing with this sin, and I've got those other things that tempt me all the time, and I'm dealing with these, and I'm trying to go to God. In, in addressing sin in our own lives, we can come to that place, and, and I think there's an appropriateness to it of feeling small and insignificant when facing sin. That I can't deal with this. It just beats me down and try as I might. And I've overcome it and I've said no before and I've rejoiced in God, but I'm right back here again doing the same thing. And I've got to face it again and I've got to face it again and it, it, it can beat you down. And that there is an appropriateness to understanding I can't do it on my own. I need a Savior. But when we go beyond that and we just continue with that feeling of smallness and inadequacy, that will keep us from growing and thriving. If we continue with those ideas, if we begin to live in that place of smallness and inadequacy, and we can get to thinking to ourselves, what does He think of me? Jesus knows better than we do the sin that we struggle with. He knows our heart better than we do. And we can get our, in our mind, what will He think of me? I know I've talked to people that were, were not the child of God and said, I can't be saved. I've sinned too much. You don't know what my past was like. You don't know the things I've been engaged with. And I try to tell them I don't have to know because the power of God is sufficient, but in their minds, it's too much. And I'm convinced that even believers can come to that same idea. Yes, I'm the child of God. Yes, I'm trusting in Him. But I can't be used this way. I can't grow. I can't get past this. Because you don't realize what's happened to me. You don't realize what, what I've done in my life. You don't realize how this affects me. Or we could start thinking, I'm just too much of a burden. I'm, I'm drawing everything back. I'm keeping the work of... And there may be an amount of truth in the current mindset that I'm a burden and just carrying everything back. Instead of allowing things to move forward, I'm stopping them. God doesn't want us to deal with this. We may want to deal with it quietly and let no one know. I, I, can, I can handle it. I can deal with it. We'll, we'll deal with it behind the scenes and we'll just keep it real quiet. And I'll, somehow, somehow, I'll go to Jesus and... How well does that work? How well does that work? And even as we look at this account, I, I love what Jesus does. You know, there, I, I wrestled with God just a little bit because there's an account, there's a couple of different ones that Jesus has. One with lepers. You weren't supposed to touch lepers. You weren't supposed to be around lepers. But what does Jesus do with several lepers? He touches them. He, he knows their sin. He, he knows the corruption that is within that body. And He touches them to heal them. What an amazing picture that is. When we'll focus on Jesus, and He says, I love you. Uh, Brother Eric said that one of his favorite songs is Redeemed. I have a lot of favorite songs. But one of my absolute favorite is a song that Christy, Christy played. Jesus loves Ethan me. I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of His love in the book He has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest. That Jesus loves me. 
He knows. He knows what we've gone through. He knows the struggles. He knows the trials. He knows our failures. And He loves even me. He loves even me. So while this woman is trying to be hidden, while she's trying to keep things apart, forgive me, is there a box of Kleenex up here somewhere? Down there. No, I'll get these. I better get a couple of them. (coughs) Excuse me. I lied to Bradley back there. I told him, oh, the live stream guy will have it easy. I don't move much. Excuse me, I'm... We're good. So, I love what Jesus does here. And Jesus, verse 30, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Immediately. Immediately. Not a little further down the line. Not kind of looking around randomly like we sometimes do. That, you know, something's going on and then stop. Right away. Right away. Because Jesus knows not only that a healing has been done, He knows this woman. He knows what's taking place. He knows her mindset. He, he knows all these things. So He can stop and say, let's, let's stretch here a little bit. I think what's, what Jesus is doing is saying, I know you want to be hidden, but I'm not going to allow it. Yeah. Not, not from meanness. Not from I'm going to show her. She might have been thinking that. But God's like, no, no, I want this to be in the open. I want people to see this. I want you to see this. Who touched my clothes? And understandably, the disciples say, Lord, you've got all these people. Uh, He's in the city, right? He's in the city. We know that uh, at various times he had, let's see, he fed 5,000, he fed 4,000, and uh, we assume that there was upwards of 25,000 in most of those groups. So if 25,000 people are following Jesus through cramped city streets, it was standing room only. When He stopped, everything else stopped around Him, and the apostles are justifiably saying, Lord, there's like 10 people within poking distance of You. No doubt somebody touched You. It's not that big a deal. But Jesus knows exactly who touched him. He knows this woman. He knows her heart. He knows that she's trying to stay hidden. She's trying to stay behind the scenes. And he says, no, we need to bring this out. I believe this woman, and I believe that we ourselves sometimes can get in our minds that we're of no concern to Jesus. Yes, he knows. Yes, he's... He understands who we are, but He's got bigger things and better things to do. And so we're just kind of on the periphery of His, of his uh, thoughts at the moment. We're on a back burner. He, he's not too concerned about, that, about us. But Jesus stopped everything to say, yes, a healing took place. Yes, that's an amazing thing. He didn't want to just find out who was healed. He wanted this woman brought forth. He wanted to show her something very real. Can, can I show you some of the things I believe Jesus wanted her to understand? John chapter 10. 
John chapter 10, verse 3, we've got several verses here we want to look at, uh, not just in John 10, but we're going to look at several different places in Scripture. So go first to John chapter 10 and verse 3. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 10, verse 3, speaking about the Good Shepherd. I, I like this, so I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, what does the Scripture say? It's actually in this chapter. The Good Shepherd. What does the Good Shepherd do for the sheep? He giveth His life for the sheep. It's in chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 11. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. Um, John, Psalm 23 is part of a trio of psalms. Psalm 22 is all about uh, prophecy concerning the crucifixion. It starts, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And goes through a very detailed picture of what crucifixion would look like. It's a picture of the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The New Testament also talks about the Great Shepherd. What does the Great Shepherd do? He cares for the sheep. Psalm 23 is about the Great Shepherd. What does the chief shepherd do? Because the chief shepherd is talked about, I think it's in First or Second Peter. What does the chief shepherd do? What's the focus about the chief shepherd? Anybody know? Nobody knows. I had to look it up earlier. Uh, it's about the millennial reign and him being king of kings and lord of lords. The chief shepherd, that's Psalm 24. Oh man, now I want to go preach those. It's fantastic stuff, but that's not what we're looking at here. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. The good shepherd knows the, sh the sheep. He knows their name. And he wants this woman, he wants you and I to understand. You may try to be hidden for whatever the reason is, but Jesus Christ knows your name. He knows His sheep. You're not lost to Him. You can't remain hidden. He, he, you are not insignificant or small to Jesus. He knows your name. Uh, let's see, back in our main passage here, verse 30. Uh, let's see, Jesus immediately knowing in Him that virtue had gone out of Him, turned Him in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Jesus wants to draw you out. Now, I, I'm... I want to be careful in this because I, I don't mean to say that Jesus wants to make you something other than what you are. God wants you for you. Are there some people that He says, you know what, I know you're an introvert, but I think you'd be a really good extrovert, so I'm going to put you in this position because I know you can handle it? Sure. Are there some extroverts that God says, yeah, you need to put a lid on that. So I'm going to put you in a place where we're just going to calm you down. Sure, God does things like that. But God uses us for us. He asks for what we have, not what we don't have. And so He uses you, exactly who you, who you are, exactly where you are, transforming you into the image of Christ, no doubt, but using you for you to accomplish God's plan. It's an amazing thing, and He just needs to draw you out so we don't just stay back in some place uh, ill-used and, and not able to do anything. He's looking to draw us out. Alright, another one. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. Don't lose Mark 5, please. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. 
So when Jesus was in Nazareth, he went to the synagogue and he quoted or he read these verses out of the Old Testament. But I want you to see them here. Isaiah 61, verse 1, and we're going to go into verse 2 as well. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now this is talking about Jesus, alright? So this is what Jesus does. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. We're all broken one way or another. We're all messed up because of sin. And Jesus Christ wants to heal. He wants to work. He wants to mold. He wants to shape. He wants to prepare. Because He knows exactly what's coming down our lives. He knows exactly what the road holds in front of us. And everything that He's allowing to do, allowing to happen in our lives right now, is preparing us for something down the way. And so He's healing, He's preparing, He's setting us free, He's doing all these things. He is working in our lives. And I'm showing you this because I want you to understand God has not forgotten you. God has not ignored you. God has not said, well, you know, I'll get to them sometime. God is still very active in our lives. And He's trying to do something with you. And I don't know what He's leading you to. Uh, We just came through the book of Job here sometime back uh, at Bible Baptist Church. And I love looking at the book of Job and how God shows Job, uh, I've not forgotten you. Yeah, you don't understand everything that I'm doing, but I've got a plan. And Job recognizes at some of those times that uh, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. That's just as much true for you and I. And the, the things that we face will be varied because we are all varied and we're in different situations. But God has a plan that He wants to draw you through so that you can be used for His purpose, whether it's to help somebody, to encourage somebody, to... I, I don't know. However, however God wants to use you, but you've got to be willing to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I, I am willing to go through this trial. I am willing to trust in You. I'm going to focus on Jesus Christ. I'm not going to say hidden back here somewhere out of the way, but I'm going to allow You to do the work that You're attempting to do. All right, now, uh, Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And just in case you're not aware, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 is often used uh, as a, uh, a call to be saved. But that's not really the context. He's talking to saved people. And so it fits perfect with this uh, uh, situation we have here right now as I'm talking to saved people. And Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Christ says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will uh, hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. God wants to fellowship with you. Jesus Christ wants to enjoy fellowship with you. He knows your name. He wants to heal. He wants to draw out. And He wants to fellowship. He wants to develop a godly fellowship with you. It is imperative to, for God that He wants you to know Him. He already knows everything about you. Can I, can I encourage you this one way and then we're going to move on? I've still got some... I've got still half a page of notes. Um, that as God 
wants to develop fellowship with you. It may be easy to think, well, you know what? I don't have to spend so much time in prayer because God already knows. And He does. He does know. But God wants to hear from you. That time we spend in prayer is really far more for us than for God. And we need that time. We need to come before God. We need to spend time in the Word of God. I told that funny little story. Uh, I hope nobody mixes up stories like that in Scripture. But that we know the truth of God's Word. If you've ever talked to people who've maybe been to church a few times, heard a couple of things about Scripture, I, I try to be careful not to just butt into people's conversations when they say things that are terribly erroneous. But uh, I, I always want to. It's like, well, you know, that's not what that says. That, that's not the truth. We need to know. We need to know. So that when opportunities do present themselves, we can instruct people in the Word of God. But if we're not in it, we're not going to know it. We're not going to know it. He wants to fellowship with us, and He does so. The primary means are prayer and Bible reading. It's the primary means of how God's going to, how a godly fellowship is going to be developed in our lives. Now, uh, let's see, one more. Luke chapter 15 and verse 4. Luke 15 and verse 4. I was so good about telling y'all not to turn away from Mark, and I did it myself. Do you know it's hard to turn pages with that? Uh, anyway, so Luke chapter 15, verse 4. Uh, we have the parable of the lost sheep. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Let's look down at verse 7. I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. This whole account is about Jesus. It's a parable about Jesus. That Jesus, let's see, I want to read this right. Jesus has gone and will go to great lengths to find you and keep you. He has gone to... What great lengths did Jesus go to to find you and keep you? Tell me, what, what great lengths did He go to? He went to the cross. He endured the cross to seek and to save that which was lost. He rose from the grave three days later. He intercedes on our behalf. It's not, praise the Lord, it's not just salvation or just the crucifixion, but boy, what a big part that is. He has gone and will go to great lengths. How many of us could tell account? of what God did in our lives to bring us to the point of receiving Christ as our personal Savior. To say, you know what, it's not grandma and grandpa, it's not mom and dad, it's me that's in need of a Savior. That I recognize my own sinfulness. I recognize that I need a Savior. That my life in its current condition without Jesus Christ is on its way to a Christless hell. A place of misery and torment and fire. But Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day that I might be forgiven of sin, washed in His blood, and have eternal life. He went to great lengths. And it's available to all men. All we need to do is receive. Too many verses running around in my head. I almost quoted totally the wrong one. Uh, Let's see, Romans chapter 10. 
you know what, can I, can I point you to different ones? You know, you read your Bible and you find out that a, a verse, uh, maybe there's a slight variation between a verse or two that say basically the same thing. Uh, let me see if I can find it here real fast. Ah, that's what happens when you go to the not as well-known verse. There we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If a person's to be saved, they have to focus on Jesus Christ. They have to trust in Him. Neither is there salvation in any other. Uh, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only in Jesus Christ. There's no other place. Now, I, I've got to put a disclaimer in here real fast. Because we've talked about feelings of smallness and inadequacy. And the point this morning, I, I do not want anybody leaving here thinking that Brother Ben taught us that we need to have better self-esteem. That is not the point of this morning's message. It's not an issue of self-esteem. It's not feeling better about yourself. This is not the power of positive thinking that we're preaching this morning. Because in, in reality, feelings of smallness and inadequately, I'm sorry, inadequacy are completely appropriate. Because what hope do we have outside of Jesus Christ? A big old goose egg. There's nothing. We have no hope on our own. We are small. We are insignificant. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I remember a song that was given on a, a song on a cartoon show when I was a kid about how we're just little specks on this planet Earth. It, we're nothing. We're nothing. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The Psalms a couple of times say that we're but flesh. That's it. That's all we are. We are... Hmm, I, I hate the word deserve, what we deserve. Because what we rightly deserve is eternal damnation in hellfire. We do. We, we deserve that. Because we chose to sin. Because we allowed it into this world and we choose it time and time and time again. Praise the Lord, that doesn't change His love for us. Jesus loves even me. And so that we're not trying to make people feel better about themselves. We're not trying to overcome uh, feelings of uh, smallness or inadequacy. We want to focus on Jesus Christ. That any value we have is because of Christ. Focus on Jesus Christ because He loves you and He gives you value. Hosea chapter 3, verse 2. Has your preacher preached through uh, the book of Hosea yet? Oh, I like Hosea. I like Hosea. Hosea is told at the beginning of that book, Hosea, I want you to go find a wife of whoredoms. You're going to marry a harlot, a prostitute, a woman of the night. That's who I want you to marry. Not just a marriage of convenience, not just... I'm, you're obligated to do this. Hosea, I want you to love her. Love her. And he does. And we don't have time to go through the whole book of, of Hosea, the first couple of chapters especially. But his, the, the woman he chooses, Gomer, that becomes his wife, is not faithful to him. The, the names of his children, Loami and Loruama, not my child. 
that, that prefix low is like our term a, like atheist, it's not. And the children are named not my child because their parentage, their paternity was in question. All three of them have names like that. And Hosea still loves his wife. And he goes through a process. We don't have time for all that. He goes through a process of trying to win her back. First, he tries to continue providing for her, and it doesn't work. Then he cuts her off, and it doesn't work. And those are exactly how God has worked with the children of Israel. Because what the book of Hosea shows us is how God has dealt with Israel. How God will deal with you and I. Hosea chapter 3, verse 2, we come to a point where Gomer has been sold into slavery because she cannot pay her bills, because she owes money to people, because of all the things that she's been involved with. And Hosea goes to that auction block. He goes to the place where slaves are bought and sold. And his wife comes up. Hosea chapter 3, verse 2, So I bought her to me, for fifteen pieces of silver, and for an omer of barley, and an half omer of barley. It comes out to about twenty pieces of silver, which is the going rate for an adult female slave. But something strikes me about that. Why fifteen pieces of silver and an omer and a half of barley? Why barley? He didn't have the silver, but he had barley. He said, this is what I have. I, I don't have everything I need, so I will sell what I do have. I will scrounge the money together. I will do whatever it takes, and I will give my all to get my wife back. Because I love her. And regardless of what she's done in the past, regardless of how she's sullied herself, regardless of how shameful it is, She's my wife, and I love her, and she's mine, and I will keep her because she's mine. And Jesus Christ to this very day says the same thing. You are mine. You may want to be hidden. You may think you're insignificant. You may think you're inadequate. You may think you're small. But I put great value on you. And I will pay whatever cost is necessary. And I will do everything in my power to get you to myself and to keep you unto myself. And I will forgive you again and again and again. Because I love you. Matthew chapter 10 verse 31. Fear ye not therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. God knows the sparrows that are sold and that fall, and you are of no more value than many sparrows. Jesus loves you. Despite feelings of smallness and inadequacy, Jesus loves you. Look over at Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> Matthew 13, verses 45 and 46. In verse 44, it talks about a, a treasure that was hid in a field. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hid in a field. 
And so the kingdom of God is the treasure. That somebody goes and they find that treasure and they pay whatever sum to buy the field to get the treasure. That's talking about you and I. The understanding that the kingdom of God, the things of God are of great value. The parable immediately following that is where we're looking. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. You see the difference? Now, the kingdom of heaven is the one seeking, not the thing hid. Goodly pearls, without going through all the things. Uh, things of the sea are generally related to the mass of humanity. The kingdom of God, like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. It's a parable about Jesus, that he looked out into the sea, he looked into the mass of humanity, and he found a pearl of great price. The pearl of great price is not a book that was written. It's not money. It's the individual. I think it is of great importance that we understand that what, what this parable is talking about is that you are a valuable pearl before God. And He paid a great price, all that He had, to buy you unto Himself. You are the pearl of great price. Well, don't you mean the mass of Christendom and all the people that are saved? No, that'd be multiple pearls. We're talking about one. Well, God didn't just die for me. I understand what you mean, but He did. Because if only one of us were to crucify Christ on a cross, that's who He's dying for, right? I want us to understand very clearly that yes, the blood of Christ is sufficient to pay for all the sins of all people of all time for all the world. Absolutely. But lest we just get lost in the mass of humanity, Christ loves you. You are the pearl of great price that He paid the ultimate price for so that He could have it unto Himself. We may feel small, We may feel inadequate and insignificant. And like this woman here in Matthew chapter 5, we may come before Jesus fearing and trembling. Lord, what are you going to do? What was on her mind? Is Jesus going to be mad? Is He going to say, why did you do that? You shouldn't have been here. I'm trying to get somewhere and you've interrupted me. But that's not at all what He did. Can I throw this in here too? When we look through the Gospels and Jesus makes statements like what He did here, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. It's not that her faith was so great, it was sufficient to heal her. It's not a matter of our faith. It's not a matter of this person's faith or that person's faith because it's all about the object of the faith. That she believed Jesus could heal her and all it took was a touch. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. You have come to the right place. You have had the right focus. And I want you to understand this very clearly, my dear, my daughter, that I see you and I hear you and I know what's going on in your life and I want it this way and I want you to focus on me. Jesus stopped everything so that he and this woman could have a short conversation. He stopped everything. 
Would it be any different for you or I? He stops everything to listen to us, to give His full attention. Because He, as God, can give His full attention to each of His children. All at the same time. He loves you. You are of great value to Jesus Christ. You may think yourself small and insignificant, hidden, but Jesus sees and knows you, and He has a grand plan for your life. Will you put your faith in Him? Will you focus on Jesus Christ? Stand with me if you would.